Church different. We're in a fifth week of church different. Uh, We are going to talk about kids today. And we do church differently because everything that we do here at the church goes through the paradigm of children and student ministry. Everything we do. I was joking to the uh, kids' team uh, members in their team training a couple weeks ago that what I, they do the ministry on Sunday morning. What I do is the adult sitting. Okay? Well, I, I take care of the adults so the kids can go have ministry time. This is, this is what really happens. Um, uh, because we all know that if your kids are enjoying the ministry that is going on, you will go to what sit through whatever. You all have gone through ballet recitals. You've, got, you've done the award ceremonies. You've gone to the worst soccer game in the history of soccer games and loved every minute of it because your child was there. If your kid comes home and comes out of the back and says, oh my goodness, I learned this. You're like, well, we're going back to that church. I couldn't stand that pastor, and they did this dumb church clap song. But dadgummit, my kid loved it. Um, and that's, that is everything we do. The biggest event of the year is the block party. We spend more resources on that one day than we do on about five other ones combined. And who is it for? Children and students. That's, that's who it's all geared around. Our, we're coming up with our second biggest day of the year, which is going to be happening around Christmas time, will be all geared towards kids. Every, everything that we do really, 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 really is geared towards the prism of kids. It doesn't really show it in our budget numbers, which is really weird. And I keep on asking the, the team, how, do you need more money? How do you, we spend more money for you? And they're like, we don't need any more right now, um, which is very different. And Jimmy goes, oh, I can spend it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's not what we, uh, we're just like, are you sure? And they're like, well, the people who write the curriculum go to this church, so we get that for free. So that's the big expense that we, we get that for free. That's helpful. Um, but we, we just kind of focus everything. The first thing to be remodeled in this place was the kids' wing. The second place was the students' wing. Then the sanctuary. My office still has the same paint on it, okay? I'm just I'm telling you. Um, and it's very impressive that I haven't remodeled the kitchen because my stomach is pretty much the most important part of my day. Uh, but we, <laughs> we've gone about that because there's such importance on the next generation ministries, on what we do in the back during um, service, that it truly is ministry. It's not a program. It's not child care. It's not babysitting. It is ministry. We have kids coming in contact with God for the first time. We have kids learning biblical lessons that will stick with them for the rest of their lives. And that is so vital, so important to how and why we do church the way in which we do. Our services last about an hour and 10 minutes, not because I can't come up with more to say. It's because I want to give those teachers the prime time to teach. You start going over that and teachers start losing hair, right? Because you got 15 kids back there and they're all going like this. I just want to show you the love of Jesus. You know, after, after 1110, the love of Jesus starts to wane through those teachers. Um, And so that we, 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 we intentionally keep our services to a certain time. It's all intentional. It's all done 
for those kids that are back there and down here. That's, that's why we do that. So I kind of want to peel that back a little bit today and show you uh, those things. Um, that <laughs> There's some numbers that go along with that, and there's all kinds of statistical reasons, but there's numbers in this church that will blow you away at the end of the uh, service that I want to uh, share with you as well. There's a few things that um, we are expecting out of our student and kids ministries, promises almost that we're making, um, that we are partnering with um, parents to see come to fruition. But first, as we reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ, reaching the youngest members of the community is our top priority. Reaching the youngest members of our community is top priority. Does this disqualify you if you don't have kids? Absolutely not. If you're a grandparent, no, it doesn't disqualify you in any way, shape, or form. I hope you know that and feel that and, uh, and do get things out of our, our services. But know that our, our prime aim is to reach kids 18 and younger because we want to have the. They're so formative. There's so many decisions that they make at that time that we can get them and start to help them navigate life well. And as you sit around this room and you think about your junior high years, your sixth grade years, your, those really formative times, and if you did or did not have church involved in that, there was different decisions made because of maybe your involvement with Christ. Some of you are like, I was at church and I still made those bad choices. I understand that. It was your involvement with Christ that's more important than just being a warm body in here. But this is what our goals are as our kids and our student ministries. We want them to know who Jesus is. That he's not a myth, that he's not a fictional character, that he is not Santa Claus, that he is not the Easter Bunny. We want them to actually know who Jesus is. We want them to experience Jesus. I'm telling you right now, you want a prayer warrior on your side, you go tell one of those kids to pray for you. My, my kids pray for people who had, they'll hear that someone got hurt or I prayed for them at dinner table or whatnot. They're still praying for them. I've forgotten there was a thing. And Kendall will bring it up da, 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 and pray for so-and-so's leg. I'm like, so-and-so's leg. I really need to call that person. Uh, you know, or something will happen because these kids are just inundated with the idea. They haven't ever thought of, oh, I shouldn't take that to God. They, will, they just all in. God, we need you to... Be with so-and-so's leg, be with so-and-so's eye, be on so-and-so's this, and they're sick. And Mrs. Neski, there's a teacher at school who slipped and fell and pulled her uh, hamstring, and she's got the world's worst last name that no one can pronounce. So the kids try every night to pray for this, kid, this, this uh, woman's leg. Pray for it, pray for it, pray for it. And they just lift them up and lift them up. We want them to have an experience, a tangible experience, where that is real to them. It's not just a, a thing. It's not just a, oh, I, my parents made me. It's an experience, something they will hold on with them for the rest of their lives. And we, finally, we want them to be able to lead people to Jesus. We want them to be able to lead people to Jesus, that they will take the hand and pull them in. If you look at the, the Berkey family who's not able to be here because Pam's really struggling with her RA right now, if you lift her up. The Berkey family's here because Brian came in contact with Jesus, and the Berkey family followed. I can tell you story after story after story after story of kids who came to a Bible school, came to a, a church event, came on a sleepover, and, and came, to, came to church, and all of a sudden their whole family's involved because these kids 
will lead people to Jesus in their faith, in their, in their heart, in their naivete. They just say, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it's beautiful. We want that to happen. We want to be able to teach our kids how to do that and how to show them with that innocence. This is who Jesus is. Like I said before, parents will follow kids to anything. And so we, we want an experience in the back that just draws children's hearts. Not an entertainment value, but as an, a value that I experience God there. I experience something different. I experience maybe a safe place. I experience something that, that I don't really get at home or I don't get at school. That, that There's something different here. And it kindles a flame in their hearts that they are drawn to. I guarantee your kid will have a good time in the back. But I also guarantee you they will learn about Jesus in the back. And teachers, it's always funny. One of the, the biggest, I can't teach the kids comments that we get. Like, oh, would you be interested in, in working with the children's ministry? I, I don't know the Bible well enough. Missy Fermini will tell you right now. She's learned more about the Bible, teaching those kids um, the Bible stories, than she has anywhere else. Because it's like, oh, I, oh, this isn't a Bible? You know, just reading the scripture in these bite-sized nuggets of, oh, now I can teach this to the kids. You just learn and learn and learn more about it. And then the kids will, of course, tell you when you're wrong about knowing the scripture. So there's that helpful uh, tidbit. This idea of a kid leading people to Jesus resonates with me. And I think it's part of who, how Jesus likes to operate in the scriptures. There's this idea of God is always, always taking the least of these, the overlooked ones in the world, and elevating them to a place of effectiveness. And he specifically does this with kids. One of the biggest miracles ever to take place on the face of the planet is the feeding of the 5,000 men, which means all the women and children weren't even counted. So we're talking 10, 12,000 people, okay? In the book of John, John chapter 6, if you want to turn there on your phones, there's also a Bible on the app that I just told you about. Um, but if you, you turn there on your phones or in your Bible, um, there's Bibles underneath your seat in front of you. If you need one, take one with you, uh, and it'd be wonderful. But in John chapter 6, this miracle is recorded in all the Gospels. The feeding of the 5,000 is recorded in all the Gospels. But in John is the only one where the boy brings the five loaves and two fishes. And John, it's the only one where the boy is mentioned. And you think to yourself, why? I'm glad you asked. John is probably a 13 to 15-year-old punk kid who's Jesus' favorite. I think he just thinks he's Jesus' favorite because he probably got a lot of headlocks. Right? That's the proper way to show love to a 13 to 15-year-old boy is right here. Um, noogie, noogie, noogie. All right, so that's, that's what, I wonder if Jesus gave noogies, side note. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Um, but John is this 13 to 15-year-old boy. He's the youngest of the disciples. Can you imagine how much this guy's got picked on? Can you imagine, like, 25-year-old Peter, just, Jesus not looking, smacking him upside the head. Jesus knows because he's omniscient. That would be awkward. But all these things, this is how my brain works when I'm reading the scripture. I apologize if yours doesn't. Um, but can you imagine, like all these stair-step guys from 25 to 15, John's the youngest. And here comes this day in which there's thousands of people on the hillside. And Jesus is preaching, and they go, hey, we need to send these guys home because everybody's getting hungry. 
And uh, I'll just read it. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked, this is uh, this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, I would take more, it would take more than a year's wage to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Next. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will I go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There are plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. And then there's like 12 baskets of food left over. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. But do you catch that? Everybody else skips the little boy. But John says, you know what, what? There's another punk kid who gets to be used by God. And the, new, the Greek word in there is kind of, I always thought it was like a six-year-old boy that has his like lunchable. <laughs> the, the Greek there is, it's not, you don't know if it could be easily a peer of John, like a 10-year-old. A the New American Standard Version translates the word a lad. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of the word lad, but I think of more of like a 10-year-old boy. Not just a little bitty guy, but, but a 10-year-old. So probably John found somebody near his own age. He's like, yeah, Jesus is going to go on for a while. Let's go hang out. All right? Uh, so he's got this connection with this kid. He sees him get to be used by God. And Jesus uses these, this little lunchable meal, this little packed lunch. These loaves of bread are only this big. The fish that they use, this is not a big trout or a salmon. These are called St. Peter's fish. They are ugly as sin fish. You can Google it later on your own time. The fish are probably only about this big. And this is what is really prevalent in the Sea of Galilee and what they were fishing for all the time. They're only about this big. And they're just ugly as sin type, type fish. But this is, would have been an easy packed lunch. It probably would have been salted and packed down, not fresh, um, for this kid to take. And he took his lunch, and it was used by God. His little bit, just the little thing that a child could offer, just a little bit. And God uses it to do one of the biggest miracles in the history of mankind. And as I think about our kids, yeah, they don't have college education. They don't have, you know, developed oratory skills. They don't have all these things that the age gives them, that maturity gives them. They have just a little bit, and what that little bit is is a heart for Jesus. And just as he does for this, this kid with the five loaves and two fishes, he just gave a little bit, and he explodes it to be one of the biggest miracles of all time. Jesus uses a child to do an impossible task. The least qualified gets exponential results. I don't know what the math on that is, but if you go from your lunchbox to feeding probably 10, 12,000 people, I think your rate of return is pretty good, right? If I could invest in a 401k that could do that, we'd be doing all right. Jesus uses this child and his willingness. You know, that kid could be like, no, you're not taking my sardines. He freely gives it his little bit of what he has to offer, and he explodes. Jesus uses this moment to invest a seed. Now, 
this is another way in which I look at the scripture. Is I want to know, I wish there was a, a show, like a pop-up video, or a uh, where are they now of the Bible. Like, I want to know what this guy's like at 80. What this kid's like at 80, right? Does he sit around and tell his grandkids, there was this time this guy named Jesus stole my lunch and it fed 10,000 people. Like, what, what was that like? I got to be a part of that. Was this his claim to fame from, there's old Levi telling the same stinking story. Again, yeah, we know, Jesus stole your lunch, all right? I, I don't know how that worked, but it just encaptures my brain. Like, it's a seed. For years and years and years, he's known as the guy who gave up his lunch. The disciples remember him. John puts him down for all of eternity to, to know that this kid was willing and obedient as we look into our student and kids' ministries, this is what we impart into them. We give them opportunities to have experiences with God that we don't even know what they're going to flower into. If you think about it, you look at our service opportunities. You look at our outreach events. They are all kid-oriented. We go to the Salvation Army at Christmas to give toys to people who need it. Well, yes, I like a toy once or twice, you know, play with one, but it's for children. We step into that. We, Joliet Cares does all kinds of stuff for adults, but it really, really is for kids. If someone comes to the Hope Box and they got kids at home, they get all kinds of extra stuff. It's just the extra stuff just starts falling into that bag. I don't know where it came from, but it's, it's for these children. Because we're planting seeds and I hope that kid that I get to take out to the minivan out here that's, that's there and not in school and I don't know what's going, they don't even know where their next meal is. They know they found help. They know they found safety at a church. We plant seeds that no matter what your week went looked like, no matter what your day looked like, no matter what they treated you at a school, when you come back into this place, you are loved and you are known. We plant seeds. Because of a child, one of the greatest miracles ever known is recorded. This idea that a small child, a younger one, can have an impact on the older. That everyone else benefited because of this kid's obedience. We've experienced kind of something like this. Uh, recently in our student ministry. We got a video to show you about this. It's beautiful to see, you know, junior hires and senior hires are like oil and water. The only time they interact is to attack each other. But um, we're, we kind of have started to see a, a revolution in that in our student ministry. And we want to show you a little glimpse um, of that today. mission trip one of our leaders wasn't able to come with us and it scared me a lot at first but as the mission trip started um I was pushed into so many different leadership opportunities that I had no idea I was able to even be a part of she was just she started out um just like thinking that we were like yeah, we're junior high, woo! And she ended up being like a really cool friend, and I just felt like I could tell her anything, and she was all she would always be there for me. And I just she 
I definitely thought that she could be a preacher. <laughs> what stood out was Kelsey preaching because she really changed me. So she really was a role model for me that I wanted to follow. I'm not used to being so close with the junior hires before. When I was in youth group, it was like junior higher and senior high was completely separated. I made connections with the junior high kids that I would have never expected to have made. My favorite part was the um, foot washing because it was just, oh, it was awesome. JC and Kelsey offered to wash our feet, which I thought was something special because they're our role models and the people we look up to. And I thought it was special because they like every all the girls were like when they got their feet washed, we like hugged each other and they said a prayer just for each one of us. And I think that was special because they were speaking just to you and something they want for you. I realized that I wasn't just the one impacting them, that they were impacting me so much more than I ever thought would ever happen. And it can change the way that our youth group is or our church is that it doesn't always have to be the elders changing the younger ones. The younger ones change us in so many different ways, and we need to be able to accept that. I don't know, I don't know if you got it. Um, she said uh, one of my, uh, one of our leaders couldn't be with us. Kelly got really, really sick. Kelly was kind of, uh, my wife was, was really heading up the, the girl's side of things, and she got so sick that Chris Moore is like calling the ambulance on her because uh, Kelly's passing out at church. You know you've gone too hard at church when you're passing out of church. Um, and she was way, you know, laid up for, I don't know, three days or so. Um, and uh, and it was the transformation of seeing Kelsey go from a person who's just receiving to going, I'm going to step up and lead. Um, that's what we're about. You know, that's a senior. We're, we're almost done with her. We've got to watch her fly. Um, but to watch her, <laughs> mama's a little proud right now. <laughs> so, but we're, but you're seeing that transformation. Is Kelsey going to do stupid stuff? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, I'm not, I'm not praying. It's not, we're not saining her yet, okay? But to see that to start to happen. As we say, you know, we're promising that we are going to show kids the love of Christ. We're going to show them how they can develop in Christ. We're going to show them how to lead people to Christ. This is, this is what, it's an 18 years of planting seeds and planting seeds and having boo-boos and mess-ups and distractions and hyperactivity. But then in 18 years, you get this moment where you get to see the seeds start to grow and bear fruit. And that's why we do this. Because there's a few goals that we have, more goals that we have that I want, I want to share with you as we uh, kind of wind down today. Our kids' ministry will do the best we can to reach and love your child. We'll do, we promise this. We will do the best we can to reach and love your child. We will do our best to partner with you in exposing your child to Jesus. We'll do the best we possibly can. We're a team member with you. We're not solely responsible for that, but we will do whatever we can to join with you in that, to partner in you. Our student ministry will show students the love of Christ. This is a big ask because students and appropriate love are two very different things. And to find appropriate love in your life as a 13, a 15, a 17-year-old kid, it is very difficult to find it. And our student ministry will be a place, it will, this is a non-negotiable, it will be a place where we show the love of Christ, appropriate, good, safe love. Our student ministry will show students what it is to live life with God. 
We will do that. What is this like? It's different than anything else I know. It's different than any, what my friends are doing. It's different when the guys on the football team are telling me to do. It's different than what the girls are all talking about. It's different. I know it is. But we will show you the way how to live life with God. I sit down with Kevin about every quarter and ask him, what's your goals for student ministry? What do you want out of this? Where are you, where are you leading the kids? And we finally boiled it down to, I want them to know how to pray. I want them to know how to study the Bible. I want them to know how to live life outside of church. So the series that he teaches, the things that he takes them on, all those stuff are to incorporate those things. Those are the core values. If we boiled all the student ministry down, that's what's really trying to get out of it. Notice I didn't say I want them to have a good time. I didn't, I want them to know how to play seven different silly games. That's not even on the radar. It's I want them to know how to read the Bible. I want them to know how to pray. I want them to know how to live life with God. Our kids ministry and our student ministry isn't an entertaining time. It is an equipping time. It's probably most, our most vital and most important and our most effective discipleship agency we have here at the church. And that's the way it should be. Our student ministry will show students how to be a follower of Christ when they are away from home. We will do this. That One of my goals as a student uh, pastor a couple of years ago was I want, I want to get phone calls from other pastors saying, Miranda just started showing up at church today. This is the most well-equipped volunteer team member I've ever seen in my life. Good job. Right? I, want, I want to hear stories of my former students coming into a church, coming out of college, going in college, and just going, here I am. Use me. I'm fully equipped. I don't have to wait until I'm 30, 40, 50, 60 years old to start serving. I'm ready now that I want to generate this discipleship kind of thing where we can just start using them now. The kids, our next generation doesn't have to wait until a, an, a sell-by date to start using them, that they are equipped now. That when they go away to college for the first time, that, that when they go to whatever college they're looking at, that they're not lost little puppies looking around going, I don't even know. I've never seen that happen before. That they know the steps to take to find themselves in God and to root themselves with good friends. They don't have to make the mistakes that you and I may have made. This is a goal of what our student ministry will do. Will it work 100% of the time? Absolutely not. But we will do our best at it. As we reach and grow our su- and serve the community for Christ, reaching the youngest members of our community is top priority. We've had a history of wonderful kids ministry here and student ministry at this church. When I first came um, to this church, two things popped out uh, when I talked to the school over here was the wonderful job Tammy did with the after school, uh, pre and after school program here at the church. And when I was at, I remember this at the library, I go, oh, my daughter used to be involved in uh, the youth ministry there with, uh, with Lisa East or Lisa Easton, Lisa Livingston. Um, and that Oh, my goodness. And so those were the things in the community when I first moved here that we were known for. We have a rich history of that. And so I don't say these numbers to demean any any of that. I think it's a fabulous uh, past and fabulous history that we have. But this is where we've been going in the last two years. Since we had our first uh, volunteer or kids team member training two years ago, basically two years ago last month. Since that time, we've gone from three classes in the back to five. 
two classes to five. They're even talking about kicking me, kicking me out of my office uh, to give, uh, get another kid's, kid's room, which I love that our kids' ministry team feel they know that kids' ministry is so important that that's an option, right? That I will become office homeless for another kid's room. That is totally fine with me. I'll just go bug Kevin more, and this is what will happen. We had 21 team members two years ago. Now we have 32. Think about that. We had 24 kids on the rosters two years ago. We had 37 last year. We have 57 this morning. <laughs> that is over. I mean, that, <laughs> that is over a hundred percent increase. If we did that here in, the, in this service, we'd be almost at three services now. That's, that's how that, that happens. That's why they're in five classes instead of three anymore. That is why they're talking about kicking me out of my office. This is what, because we've, we've doubled in size in just two years of these kids because we want, it's so important. It is everything that we're doing. Everything flows out of the filter of how do we love on these kids more? How do we form them more? How do we shape them more? Over doubled in size. Two years ago, there was five team members needed on any given Sunday. Now there's 13 positions needed every single week, which says some things. When we see kids and students in this this ministry, in this church, instead of thinking, wow, they're loud or they're crazy, which might be true, think about the blessing, that that is who we're trying to reach. We were walking in the lobby a couple weeks ago, and noticing all the stains that we have in the lobby. And we were thinking, the line of thought was going down, oh my goodness, all these stains in our carpet. And I thought, isn't this a beautiful thing? If our carpet was perfect, guess what? We would have no kids here, right? If our carpet, if the worst thing that happens is we have to peel up one or two tiles of carpet, praise God. And I know a lot of you are willing to get on your hands and knees to scrub the stinking carpet because kids are too active in this church. And you know what? Most of those spills were my fault, by the way. <laughs> Full disclosure. How can you be a part of this? Because it is a movement of God in our young people. It's a movement of God in our church. How can you be involved in this? You need a, like I said, you used to only need five people back there. Now we need at least 13 on any given Sunday. Get involved in the ministries. Become a team member. What does that mean? Jared, I don't want to teach anybody. Okay, I got other things for you. We need teachers. We need teachers' assistants. We need administrative help. Oh, wait a minute. I can help the kids' ministry and not talk to kids? Absolutely, you can. We need help with kids' check-in. We need help with logistics. We need help with cleanup and setup. And we need prayer warriors. Our student ministry needs small group leaders, trip chaperones. If you don't like sleep, that's the place for you, okay? If we need chili supper all-stars, okay? The chili supper funds this ministry for the whole year. We need chili supper all-stars to help Kevin with that. We need prayer warriors. How can you pray, you ask? Pray for the teachers, pray for the teachers. If you could stop by the church or sometime during the week and just pray over the rooms, 
and the minds that will be shaped in that. Because I guarantee you, some of you are teachers that are in this room right now. The Sundays that you're supposed to teach, Satan throws everything in his bag of tricks at you. Your kids lose their mind. The dog will puke on the carpet. Your husband will do crazy things. You don't even know. Like it, it, every single week, you guys, like, I don't want to be a teacher then. I understand that. But we need prayer. We need hedges of, of prayed protection around these people because those weeks, they are the frontline warriors in the kingdom of God. Because they're introducing these wonderful, impressionable children to the love of Christ. We need pray for these teachers by name, by room. Pray for them. Pray for the kids specifically by name. Maybe you don't know them. You don't know who they belong to. It doesn't matter. You just pray to God knows who they are. You pray for that blonde hair, blue eyed little girl. I'm praying for her, God, whatever's going to come that she would know, have her identity in you, God, that she would never question the fact that uh, question who she is in you, that she is a daughter of the King of Kings. Just start praying that for the kids in this church and see them grow up in 15, 20 years from now when they're graduating. And you get to hear their story and you get to know who they are. You know that I prayerfully adopted that kid. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Get involved with them. Just because maybe you don't have kids anymore doesn't mean you're off the hook. It means you get to get started now. You've adopted 50 of them instead of just your own. Okay? This is who we are and where we're going and what we're going to always be about. As our kids' ministry. Our student ministry. I want to see lives changed and eternities changed. And I believe Shorewood Church of God and Shorewood proper and Joliet proper and Plainfield will be changed by the kids that come through this place. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. God, we ask you to bless us in our endeavors of ministry. We ask you to give us patience with them, give us courage with them, give us the words to say, give us the, the things to do. Lord, as we go out into the lobby today, will you press on our hearts? That's the one. That's the one. That's the kid right there. I don't know his name. I'm going to learn his name, but I I don't don't know who that is. The one with the snot coming down. That's the one. I'm going to pray for that one. He's mine. I'm I'm going to be his spiritual godfather. I'm going to go to my knees for him. God, I ask you to place that, that burden on all of our hearts as we... As we leave this place today, that you would press on us. Yeah, I can get involved. Yeah, I can put away snacks. I can, I can clean. I can, I can do these things that you would just push that on. Because everything we do, Lord, is about planting a seed in these kids that we know will bear fruit. We might not get to see it in our lifetime. We may not get to see it here in Shoreville, but we want to plant seeds that will affect the kingdom of God. Lord, we love you and we praise your name. Amen.